0: You know, I noticed today we've been in this series since 2020. Somebody might say, you know, don't we need to do something else? Well, I don't know what we could talk about more important than faith and prayer. Amen. And uh, so we're just making our way through these notes. We left off last Wednesday in Hebrews 11:6, and I left off saying that our God is a faith God. And if ever you would want to please him or receive from him, you must learn how to operate in faith because that is who he is. Hebrews eleven six. but without faith, King James, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now, in this church, on occasion, we talk about growing your faith developing your own faith, and I think sometimes, well, I don't know what people think, but when we talk like this, you ignore this to your peril, because what happens is, you know, you're young, and you have your health, and uh, maybe you have not yet faced any big financial situation. And if you're a tither, I want to be clear about this, if you're a tither, you live your life very much protected by God and very much blessed by God. And so my point is, you just cruise along and you take things for granted. And that can be dangerous because on occasion, you know, the Bible talks about having the shield of faith to quench the fiery darts of the enemy. But on occasion, uh, a fiery dart gets through. On occasion, something catches us by surprise. And so when we talk about developing your own faith, we're not kidding. And for all these years, for decades, I have said that the easiest and the safest way to develop your faith is with money. Because it's not fatal. And so if you're, let's say, a washer, washing machine, dies, or a dishwasher, or a dryer, refrigerator, it's a great opportunity to exercise your faith. Sow a seed. Find out how it works. Tell your neighbor, you need to find out how it works. You need to find out how it works. Now, here's what happens. When faith fails, generally people don't accept responsibility and... They may blame God, get bitter. But a favorite ploy of preachers is to develop a theological construct around their failure. And so when you hear ministers talk about how well God made somebody sick to teach them something, now the Lord's forcing me to clarify. You could get sick, And in the process of being sick, you might learn some spiritual lessons. That is entirely possible. But how many of you good people teach your children by making them sick? None of you. In fact, that's a psychological disorder. Now, I'm sure I'm going to pronounce it wrong. It's Munchheim syndrome or something. What is it? Munchhausen, see, there are advantages to having a PhD out here, <laughs> and, uh, and they'll, they'll arrest you for that and put you in prison, and yet people accuse God of making them sick to teach them something, but now I, he's correcting me again we probably all have gone through a financial challenge or been sick or been through a problem and learned lessons that were valuable to us. But that doesn't mean God did it. What that means is that in the problem, in the trial, in the sickness, we called out to the Lord and we learned some things. Right? And we're all for learning. But I don't think it is intellectually honest To create a theological construct to put the blame on God and so what I like to do myself is uh, Sue says you know I have a problem with guilt somebody that works for me says that's a that's the issue with being an only child but what I like to do is just take all the blame that's how I that's how I approach everything with God that if there's a failure here It's not on your part, I know that. Amen. Actually, that's correct, absolutely. Can't blame that on being an only child or whatever. Uh, If there's a failure, it's gotta be me. So I didn't see something in the word, or I was inconsistent in my confession, or, and this is a big one, when we laid hands on the sick two Sundays ago, See, a lot of people will get in a line to see what happens. And God, in his mercy, sometimes will heal on that basis. But generally, God, in his mercy, will not heal a mature person in that kind of a situation. Because you expect more from a 14-year-old than you do a 4-year-old, don't you? And you expect more from a four-year-old than you do a four-month-old, don't you? And so the longer we've been in this, well, the Lord expects some things from us. Amen. And so, for example, when, when you agree in prayer with somebody, you have to exercise your faith. Don't just do it as a mechanical thing to see what happens. Kenneth Hagin, the one that went to be with the Lord in 2003, used to talk about turn your expector on. In other words, we're expecting something. It's hard to believe with the change of the weather, you know, we're going into Thanksgiving. It's my favorite holiday of the year and then after that, Christmas. But whether you do Christmas on Christmas Eve or Christmas morning, you, you don't not have your expector turned on, do you? Right? In other words, and, and if you're my age, it's not about what you get, because, I mean, really, what can anybody get me? Uh, anything I want, I buy. And typically, I'll buy two or three in case something goes wrong with the first one. Uh, but it, at my age, it's about watching the little ones. Amen. And so, so even then, because you know what you got them, and your expector's turned on because you're, you're waiting to see the look on their face. Does that make sense? Well, see, Jesus said that unless you become like a little child, you cannot even enter the kingdom of heaven. And so I think sometimes we're a little callous and we need to approach the Lord like children. And God said it, you know, for example, uh, when the wolf was doing the camp out, sons, fa- sons and fathers and, you know, Austin, Austin, told Samuel they were going to do that. A child just believes what you say. Amen. And, and not just that, a child will hold you to it. Christ. Right? And that's the way we need to be with Father God. He said it, that settles it, it's done. Amen. But we have to learn how that works. And I'm talking about real life. And... Uh, Why not believe God when you have a headache? You see what I'm saying? In other words, uh, it's better to, tell your neighbor, it's better to practice your faith on non-fatal stuff. Because here's what people do. Here's what people do. They just take it all for granted, you know, and uh, they use their credit card and they take their Advil and they do all this and they, they just cruise along. And if you're a tither, you can get away with it. Because there is an awesome protection and blessing that goes along with tithing. But occasionally a dart gets through and and sometimes I'm convinced that at different times in life, we're dealing with different levels of powers. And, uh, And we hit a bump. And it's like, what do we do? We don't know what to do. And if we have not been growing our faith and exercising our faith and believing God, well, we go to the standbys, and there's nothing wrong with these. Anointing with oil, laying on of hands, prayer of agreement, there's nothing wrong with any of that. But what I've seen in my life is the longer I live for the Lord, the more he expects me to walk by faith and not by sight. And the more he expects me to operate in my own faith. Because if you think about it, all of these, the anointing with oil, the laying out of hands, the prayer of agreement, to some extent are a way to lean on someone else's faith. And it's all appropriate. I don't, I'm not trying to say it's not appropriate. It's all appropriate. But... We need to grow our faith. We need to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might because these are wicked days. I said these are wicked days. And if if the devil has proven anything in the last couple of years, it is he is coming for the children. And so we need to know how to operate by faith financially. We need to know how to operate by faith with regard to our health and healing. Amen. Amen. And we're not, we're not anti-doctor, you know, I'm pro-doctor, I've got doctor friends. <laughs> you know. You've heard me tell this story about how lifting a st- suitcase in a stupid manner years ago, I damaged my right shoulder. And, and, and through confession, that's my typical operation is I exercise my faith through confession. And through confession, I got it about 80, 85% healed and then I redamaged it. And then I go start over and then I, you know, months and then I get it about 80, 85% healed and I redamaged it. And I went through this process. I've got a doctor friend in Atlanta. He does orthopedic surgery work for the uh, Atlanta Falcons and the Braves. And uh, so I, I sent him a message and this is a horrible Defeat for me, somebody like me, somebody wired like me. And I I said, I may need to come and see you. And, you know, so he said, okay, here's here's my email and whatever. And uh, we're in Miami. This was uh, months ago. And I'm still working confession every day. I'm, I'm working it. And I wake up one morning, and why? I don't know. There was no alarm clock. I reached that right arm way over to the right. Why? I don't know. And I thought, huh. (laughs) And it's not 80%, 85% healed by the power of the living God. See? Confession. Problem with confession, frankly, is it can take a while. So, and some things that can come against us, we don't have a while. So learn how to walk by faith. I'm headed somewhere. You may think I'm rambling, but I'm not. I know exactly what I'm doing. He says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. See, how are we going to make him happy? How are we going to make the Lord smile at us? Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder. Say, shout it out loud. My God, is a rewarder. My God is a rewarder. He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So our God is a faith God. And if we will dare to walk by faith and not by sight, we have God's word on it that we will be rewarded. You know, it's funny to me, but people out in the world can see things. A lot of times Christians can't. Uh, we, Ch- we, That Gene and Sue in the church we have new attor- attorneys and the founder of the firm called me this afternoon shocked the heck out of me 79 years old and here's a guy from the world he's saying God's really blessed you he said you, you, you not only are blessed but he said you have a meaningful life he said very few people are blessed and have a meaningful life I thought wow you know, this is somebody from the world. This is not somebody from the church world. You know, sometimes you get more encouragement from the world than you do the church world. So if we will dare to walk by faith and not by sight, we have God's word on it that we will be rewarded. In that creation spoken of in Genesis, man is God's crowning work of creation and man is God's crowning work of faith. Being created in the image of God man was also created in the image of love and man was created in the image of faith. Now, if you watch the news, you wouldn't know this. You wouldn't know that man is the the pinnacle of the creation of God. You wouldn't know it. If you watch the news, you wouldn't know that man is the, is, is, was made in the image of God, which is love. You wouldn't know it. Amen. If you watch the news, you wouldn't know that man is the pinnacle of God's creation and faith. You wouldn't know it. I mean, horrific things going on. People being stabbed by strangers in New York. I saw a man... A video today of a man pushed from behind down a staircase in Australia. People being pushed in front of subway trains in New York. This is the work of Satan in a culture. Man was not created for this. There won't be any subways in heaven, but if there were, there'd be nobody pushed in front of a train. You see what I'm saying? Heaven's gonna be a place where only those who walk in love here are going to be there. Can you see that? And since I'm on that, man is an eternal being. See, God had no beginning, and God will have no end. Man had a beginning, but because he was created in God's class, man will have no end. So when man decides to be a spiritual criminal... He has to be incarcerated for all of eternity. There's no end to it. Amen. So man is a faith creation. And when reason usurps the seat of faith, man becomes a failure. When reason usurps the seat of faith, which is the spirit man living a life based on revelation knowledge, not living a life based on sensory perception. When when reason usurps that seat of faith, man becomes a failure. So let's talk about what faith in the spiritual realm can mean. The bolder the faith, the greater the success. The bolder the faith, the greater the success. The bolder the faith, the greater the success. Now you have to You have to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit in that faith. I mean, we have, we have done some crazy things. Crazy things. But because, see, it's not just me. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. And you're just as born again as I am. And if you'll develop the skill of hearing his voice, He'll lead you into those green pastures and he'll lead you beside those still waters. Well, pastor, how do I develop the skill of hearing his voice? Well, you follow instructions and when you hear that voice on the inside of you, you compare what you heard to the written word of God. If it doesn't line up with the written word of God, throw it out. If it lines up with the written word of God, take action on it. And the more you take action on the leading of the Holy Spirit, the more sure that will be a guide in your life. I have followed that voice my whole life. And I've done some crazy things following that voice, but it has all panned out. And the mistakes were mine. They were not his. So the bolder the faith, the greater the success. Faith wins. Faith wins. When faith dies, success folds its wings. We can take as the slogan of life, Matthew 19, 26, with God, all things are possible. Say it out loud. With God, God. all things are possible. possible. Say it again. With God, God, all all things are possible. Now, I'm going to say a hard thing here, but I mean it with intent. We have not yet created a billionaire. And it is about time. I said it is about time. And you can't get there by working the second shift at the grocery store. That kind of wealth comes via ideas. To see something that somebody else has not seen. And then to build a business. That's the only way that kind of wealth can get created and, unless you're like Jed Clampett and you're hunting squirrels and you, you shoot an oil well in the backyard. I mean, something like that, which you know has never happened in the history of the world. My uncle found a piece of gold on his farm, my grandfather's farm. And so he, a lot of time and effort went into looking for gold. He should have just asked me before he started looking. Amen. I would have told him, Uh, that's probably an odd thing. Amen. Because there's no river nearby, no mountains nearby. Amen. So I don't think any of us are going to find a gold mine in the backyard. So we're going to have to have ideas. We're going to have to have vision. We're going to have to see something that somebody else has not seen. And somebody might say, well, Pastor, you, you think the Lord's coming soon. Yeah, but look, if you have a brilliant idea, or how about if God gives you an idea, things can happen fast. Amen? Say it again. With God, With God all, things are all things are possible. You see, there are things impossible to the sense-knowledge man that are entirely possible to the faith man. There are things impossible to the sense-knowledge man that are entirely possible to the faith man. Look at Matthew 19, 26. Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Say it again. With God all things are possible. possible. Or how about Mark 9, 23. Everything is possible for him who believes. Say it out loud. Everything is possible possible for for him who believes. Or how about 1 John 4, 4. You dear children are from God and have overcome them, have overcome them. What tense is that? have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. So who is in you? Talk to me, who is in you? It is God. Now look, we don't all have the gifting, the talent, the ability to become a millionaire or a millionaire 10 times over or a millionaire 100 times over or become a billionaire. We all all operate in different gifts, skills, and abilities. But I'll tell you this, I'll tell you this, I'll tell you this right now. I never would have thought on August 7, 1976 that God, 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 the God, the God that I had met in 1960 in Sunday school class in Van Dyke and Nevada uh, Roads in Detroit, Michigan, I never would have thought that God would multiply us more than a million times. That's a lot. A million times. And I'm just a preacher. See, you may be here tonight and you're a businessman. What can God do? Okay, so let's say you just believe God and follow that leading of the Holy Spirit of God and you don't get to those levels. Well, you know, if you get to the millionaire level, that's better than not being there, right? Or if you get to the $10 million level, that's better than not being there, right? Whatever level you get to. You know, we were flying private from Chattanooga to Branson, Missouri, or Springfield, Missouri once, and uh, I shouldn't even tell this stuff. And, uh, you know, so, because we had been in Chattanooga to visit my mom when she was alive and insisted living, and then we were going to see Derek Christina. And my wife says to me, she says, I gotta tell you. She said, "When you, when you, you, when you told me that the Lord told you that you didn't belong in those airports and you started down this road. She said, I got to tell you, I thought you were crazy. (laughs) But she said, going from seeing your mom to going to see Christina in an hour flat, she said, I got to tell you, she said, you're a genius. (laughs) But I wasn't a genius. I was just following that voice. I was sitting in an airport, Springfield, Missouri, years ago, and the Lord told me, as clear as I've ever heard him, He said, you don't belong here. And I'll tell you what, if you're reading about what's going on in these airplanes, we should all believe God for traveling some other way because I'm telling you what, you can get in a fist fight on an airplane. It's amazing. You know, years ago, Jesse DePlantis talked about how that somebody asked him about why he had a plane. He said, well, I can't get an aluminum tube with a bunch of demons. And, you know, he was really criticized for that. But I'll tell you what, if you watch the news, I think that he was entirely correct. <laughs> Amen. Amen? So, why did I get off on that? Because you, if you don't have a vision for your life, if you don't have a goal, I remember... Sitting in my office, I was on staff at a church. I remember sitting in my office and, and uh, you know, we'd been driving Buicks and I was, uh, a man in the church took me to the audio, auto auction and a Cadillac was rolling through. He said, that's what you need. And I looked at it and I thought, man, it looks like me. It was three-way black, Coupe de DeVille, 1977, I think it was. And I, so I bought it. And I had no idea the trouble that would cause because that was a denominational full gospel church and they didn't believe in prosperity and I'm a guy on staff. And so I I remember sitting at my desk and looking out the window and the senior pastor was out there looking at that car and I thought, my time here is numbered. My days here are numbered. And you don't even realize what you have because you know, we're for you. We're for you. I remember a guy sitting here tonight pulled up in an S600 once up at I-30, and he said, look, look, look. And I went out there, and I said, man, that's great. God bless you and everything. And then I, I went inside, and I told so. I said, he got ahead of me. I can't let him get ahead of me. So I didn't covet what he had. I went out and bought one the next week for myself, amen. <laughs> but I'm just saying, God, God, how can God take us to levels if we, ne- if we don't envision, amen. if we don't dream, yes, if we don't dare to dream? Our children hated it. We would do three services on Sunday morning up at I-30, and then we'd take them to lunch, and then we'd go to open houses. And we were dreaming. We were envisioning. We were, we were deciding. We like this. We don't like that. We like this style. We don't like that. And we were, we were, it, we were building a vision in our spirit man, not our mind. Our spirit, because our mind would have said, go home. You can't afford none of this but we were developing a vision. If you don't develop a vision, how can God bring your vision to pass? Paul wrote in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Say it out loud, I can do all things things through Christ 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 who strengthens me. me. Now again, somebody's sitting here thinking, well, pastor, this doesn't make any sense because you believe the Lord's coming. Yeah, but wait a minute, Jesus said, occupy till I come. So that's why we're doing challenge offerings. That's why we're drawing phase two. We're occupying until he comes. We're not going to go hide in the cave with our groceries and wait for the antichrist. We're going, to, we're going to win. We're going to prevail. Amen. We're going to overcome Amen. until our last day. Amen. Amen? Amen. And if he comes tonight, that's great. But if he doesn't, we're going to win. We're going to prevail. We're going to overcome until he does come. Paul wrote, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And Jesus said in Mark 9, 23, everything is possible for him who believes. Say it out loud. Everything is possible possible for him who believes. believes. You know, back up at I-30. I mean, I'm not telling you to do this on the way home, but back up at I-30, we had a man, and he traveled a lot for his business. And he told me, came up and told me one Sunday, he said, you know, he said, I missed a, a certain service. And he said, And I was traveling, and I had that tape in my car, and he said, you were teaching on healing. And he said, I just felt prompted by the Spirit of God. He said, I rolled down the window, threw my glasses out the window, and he said, I was healed by the power of God. Now, don't go do that because of your bright idea. (laughs) But I have to tell you, I was impressed by that miracle. But that was the Holy Spirit speaking to him on that day. Amen. Course, that didn't hold him, you know. He got offended over something and left. Just because you, you get healed doesn't mean you're not, you know. If you don't have other problems, amen. The Greek word there for believe means a believing one. Everything is possible for him who believes. And the Greek word there means believing one. And that is a child of God, a believing one. When you and God are linked together, you become invincible. Say it out loud. When, when I'm connected to God... I become become invincible. 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 Now, this name may be blind to you, but the world saw a glimpse of this in John Alexander Dowie's ministry. He was a famous healer. I don't remember if it was from, he was from Australia or New Zealand during the Black Plague. He nearly lost his whole congregation and went to the Lord about it, and the Lord led him down the path of healing. And the world saw a glimpse of this in Amy Semple McPherson's ministry. And the world saw a glimpse of this in Catherine Kuhlman's ministry. And the world saw a glimpse of this in Oral Roberts' ministry. And the world saw a glimpse of this in T.L. Osborne's ministry. When you are linked together with God, you become invincible. And I think we have a wrong understanding of some of this, that it is true the gifts and callings of God are Without repentance, that's true. But I sat in T.L. Osborne's living room, and he told me the story that somebody gave him a flyer or a newsletter or I'm not sure what it was. And he saw, because he and Oral grew up together. They were boys together in Oklahoma. They knew each other. And he saw that Oral Roberts had bought a tent. He was healing the sick. And, and he, said to, he said to himself, he said to Daisy, he said, well, whatever Oral can do, I can do. And he became famous for open air meetings. But he told me that story too, that uh, I don't remember if it was San Antonio or El Paso. He bought a tent. He was a, he was a preacher in a tent. And I don't remember if it was San Antonio or El Paso, but the Catholics burned his tent down. And he said, that's how I became an open-air preacher. He said, you know, it wasn't because it was a decision. He said, they burnt my tent down. (laughs) Amen. And so he did open-air meetings. Austin and I went to one of his open-air meetings in Kiev. The world has seen it. The world has seen it in individuals here and there. God linked together with man doing the impossible. But you don't have to be a super-duper somebody. A lot of those names you read in the book of Acts were never mentioned in the the Gospels. Stephen, never mentioned in the Gospels. Barnabas, never mentioned in the Gospels. But they rose to prominence, believing God and taking action. What is faith really? Faith is acting like the Word of God is so. But keep in mind we know that every step out of love means sin and we know that every step out of faith means weakness and failure. Now the word there in mark 9:23 everything is possible for him who believes that word means a believing one and the word believing is a verb and the word faith is a noun believing is acting on the word and faith is the result of this action and that's why at faith christian center we're always talking about taking action on the word of god Every time you take action on the word of God, you get stronger. Now, I'm not teaching on tithing, but tithing is probably the biggest beef of the body of Christ in my lifetime. But what I have noticed now, it's hard to believe, I know, but coming up in June, I will have been preaching the gospel 50 years, 5-0. And what I've noticed is that tithing is simply one way to take action on the word of God. And when people hear it and reject it, they're not the strong Christians. This is just something I've seen through the powers of observation. And part of it is simply because they have been given an opportunity from the preaching of the word to take action. They rejected it. They chose not to. And I've heard all the excuses. You're not going to give me a new one. I've heard them all. You know, we were making about $5,000 and change each when we got married, 1976, 1977. But we were tithing. We were living on $15 a week grocery budget. Of course, you'd have to adjust that for inflation. But we were tithing. So I've, I've heard all the stories and all the reasons. But all I know is, that when I take action on the word of God, I get stronger. That's what I know. And what I know is when we look at people that are in trouble, needing counseling, facing a lot of sickness, whatever, whatever you want to talk about, well, they're not the strong Christians. These go hand in hand. Now, everybody has an, a theory, an idea, an opinion on it. And and we never ask anybody. You know? There's nobody here tonight, nobody gonna be here Sunday, and I've ever asked them if they're tithing. You know, whatever. You know, our, our, our thinking is, whatever, dude. Because God meets our needs. We stand here and we teach and preach the word of God, and then we don't worry about it. Amen. Amen. Because Jesus... When I was a boy in Sunday school, I thought it was pretty rugged. But Jesus would say, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. He who has eyes to see, let him see. And I was a boy in Sunday school, and I thought that was pretty rugged, but that's the way it is. If you're going to get it, you're going to get it. If you're not going to get it, you're not going to get it, and nothing can be done about it. But what I am saying on this Wednesday night is that believing is a verb, and faith is a noun, And when you take action on the Word of God, you're believing. And when you take action on the Word of God, you grow your faith. This is the way it works. And so if I want to be stronger in faith, I've got to find ways. See, your average Christian lives their entire life looking for ways to avoid taking action on the Word of God. They choose a church based on avoiding taking action on the word of God. A few minutes ago, I was talking about being led by the Holy Spirit of God. Look, this is how I did all of this. Um, and we had a banker, we got a new banker, praise God. But you know, I said, I said, look, I said, I didn't do any of this by my smarts. I said, I did this by believing God, preaching the word of God, following the leading of God. He said, yeah, he said, that, that may all be true, but he said, you can't do this stupid. I said, okay, I got it. But, uh, but to me, let me go back and clarify. Smith Wigglesworth used to say, "This sin makes people stupid," and that's, I think, what we see in the news every day now. But if sin makes people stupid, Pastor Sue says, then taking action on the Word of God must make you smarter. Now, maybe your IQ does not go up. Maybe it's not measurable. But in other words, if sin makes people stupid, a lot of that stupid shows up in a lack of common sense. And if if sin makes people stupid, well, the opposite must be true. Taking action on the word of God makes you smarter. Maybe it's not measurable, but maybe it is in common sense, but maybe it is in your instinctive, intuitive intelligence. You just know things. That the sense knowledge, man does not know. I mean, I could not make this up. In the last seven days, the CDC director who has had five COVID shots, got COVID. (laughs) And within the same seven day period, the dotard in chief chastises us and lectures us and gets his fifth shot and he's had COVID this year and says, well, you gotta get one every year. Look, you'd have to be mentally retarded. I mean, have you ever had to get two polio vaccines? Meningitis, anybody here ever had two meningitis vaccines? Rubella, anybody here ever had two rubella vaccines? Listen, they have sinned and sinned and sinned and sinned until their brains have turned to dung. They don't have the sense God gave a chicken. Now, am I clear? Yes. Or do I need to get more clear? <laughs> Believing is acting on the Word of God. And a lot of Christians spend their whole lives, they'll even pick a church based on avoiding taking action on the Word of God. And when I... A few minutes ago, I was talking about how we did these things by following the leading of the Holy Spirit. That's taking action. Let me give you one quick example. We're sitting on 55 acres here. When we bought this 55 acres, I believe it was in the year 2000, that would have made no sense to the natural mind. Austin and I flew to Denver, Colorado, I I didn't have anybody really to talk to. So we flew to Denver, Colorado, and I I talked to Wally Hickey, and I said, I'm going to buy land. I'm going to relocate the church. What's the minimum I have to look at? He said, well, the minimum you need to look at for a church is 20 acres. He said, you have a school. Since you have a school, you're going to have sports fields. You probably need to look at 35 acres. And uh, so, you know, anything I do, you can just add 20% to it. And so... We're, we're here on 55 acres. Okay. When we bought this 55 acres, it would have made no sense based on the church's net worth or cash flow or any of it in the year 2000. All right. In the year 2022, as wealthy as this church is, we could not even think about maybe, perhaps buying 55 acres on an expressway in Arlington, Texas. It would be untouchable. But the Bible says, my God prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. See? So, That lady that opposed us every step of the way on the city council, you know, she got 86th on the basis of the term limits. So every time she leaves home or goes home, she has to drive by the magnificent Faith Christian Center. But I'm saying, I'm saying as, as, as blessed as this church is, if we went today and had to start over and look for 55 acres on an expressway in Arlington, Texas, there'd be no hope. But by following the leading of the Holy Spirit step by step, year by year, see, then we, you get to this place. And then, then, see, you see that in the story of Isaac and Abimelech. And I used to teach it this way. You're not really doing what God wants you to do until the Abimelechs envy what you have. Amen. Amen. So say it out loud. Believing is acting on the word of God. And faith is the result of this action. So let's go to John 14:10 and wrap it up. This is why only taking action on the word of God builds faith. There's no other way to build faith only taking action on the word of God builds faith. Jesus acted on the word of his father. For he said in John 14, 10, don't you believe that I am in the father and that the father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the father living in me who is doing his work. Wow. It is the father. Jesus said, It is the Father living in me, doing his work. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that's why it's a grievous thing to take credit for what God has done. To draw attention to yourself as though by your smarts. I just mentioned, we, we met this new banker. I told him, everything you see here, it's not because I'm smart. We just believe the Bible. We did what God told us to do. So we're careful to give the credit, the glory, and the honor to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because even Jesus said, it is the Father living in me, doing his work. How many of you want to get there to where you can do impossible things partnered together with God and then God can trust you to do more impossible things because you don't take the credit, the glory and the honor, but you give Him the credit, the glory and the honor. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It is a wonderful life.